Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 638 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on the Juicebox Podcast, we speak with Fernanda. She is an adult living with type 1 diabetes who's been through um, some stuff. She has an interesting story. It's well worth hearing. She also has a cat. That has very little to do with this. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Are you an adult with type 1 diabetes or an adult who is the caregiver of someone with type 1? If you are one of those things and a U.S. citizen, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Do me the favor of filling out the T1D Exchange survey. It should only take you a few moments and you can do it right on your phone. I would really appreciate it. So would the T1D Exchange, and it would benefit a lot of people living with type 1, if you would. Thank you. Uh, oh, music. Hold on. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Learn more at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Are you looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes? They start at episode 210 and can be also found, and can be also found, it's not English, but let's just get past that, and can also be found at juiceboxpodcast.com and at diabetesprotip.com. I'm Fernanda. I'm a diabetic type 1 since uh, 1998. Uh, <laughs> I've been through a lot. I just started with an insulin pump, Omnipod, actually, a year ago. And before that, I was using the Medtronic G670. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with that one in 2017. And before that, I was MDI. For a long time. Yeah. It's just because, uh, as I told you before, I'm not American. I come from Chile. And in Chile, insulin pumps were not covered by medical insurances. So if you wanted a pump, you have to pay it out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And it's very expensive, especially for our economy. So, um, I mean, it's a long story. My dad didn't want to buy an insulin pump for me. He thought I didn't deserve one because my control was not on point. And uh, whatever. I moved to the United States, and as soon as I could, I got one. Cool. So you've had diabetes. And my A1C went from 10 to 7 in three months. No kidding. You've had diabetes like 22 years? About, uh, the, about there? Since 98, yeah. Yeah, okay. How old are yeah. you now? I'm 35. Okay. It's okay to be 35. <laughs> so you were... You I were, don't mind. Yeah, you were what, 13-ish when you got diagnosed? Yeah. Your dad's... Like, just starting my teenage years. Yeah, horrible, horrible age to be diagnosed. Oh, my God. When did you move here? To the U.S., uh, September 2016. 2016. What made you come? Uh, work. 
I'm a physical therapist. So back in Chile, uh, there are a lot of physical therapists. Our salaries are not the best. We're not recognized as a, as well as we are in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I took advantage that um, I know English from school. And I started looking for a job in here, and here I am. Wow, that's really cool. It was not easy. <laughs> I can't imagine it was easy. Yeah, are you, were you, did you come by yourself, or did you come with other people? No, I came by myself. I brought my cat with me. <laughs> that's a Chilean cat I saw walk by a minute ago? It's a Chilean <laughs> cat, yes, absolutely. And believe it or not, he is able to figure out when my blood sugar is low. So he wakes me up at night if that happens. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. You have a diabetic alert I've had cat. a lot of... <laughs> yes, he learned by himself. So... Long story short, in these 23 years as a diabetic, I've had uh, six hypoglycemic comas. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, well, and eventually I, I don't feel lows anymore until I'm very low. I, I feel them when I'm in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, he figures it out. And every time I'm, I'm, I'm going low at night, he wakes me up. Do you think he's trying to wake you up or do you think he's? trying to test to see if you're dead so he can eat you <laughs> i think i cats, don't know <laughs> I, think those little, I think those little cats are looking at people like oh if i was bigger i would definitely eat them uh, <laughs> yeah you know there's a joke when the uh when covid started and every everybody was doing quarantine and there's a dog and a, and a, and a cat and the dog is like good my master's is staying at home with me <laughs> and there's the cat that says i knew you were gonna get fired <laughs> That makes exact sense. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Did the cat have any trouble with the language change? I'm just kidding. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he adapts very well. What What made you want to come on the podcast? So, uh, from all the um, all the episodes that I've been listening from you, I remember when you started with these um, after hour or uh, what, what's the name of it? After dark. After Dark Podcasts, thank you. And you have this girl coming in talking about uh, diabetes and sex. I was like, okay, uh, this, is, this is interesting. Let's, talk, let's, let's listen, listen to it. And the thing that made me like go and talk to you was, well, you know, she was diagnosed as an adult. She was just changing from being shy of showing her gadgets, talking about the Dexcom or whatever you use and the pump and the the pump and how she didn't want to show them and how she was interfering with with her sexual relationships and whatever and I said do you know um maybe you need another point of view about it like somebody that was diagnosed as young as me mm-hmm. or well just for you to know before I live in Miami right now before here I used to live in New York and in New York, I have a big group of type 1 diabetic friends, and I love them. And two other girls were diagnosed pretty much at the same age that I was. And we met three, four years ago. And we were all talking about the same. Like, how different is when you're diagnosed as a, as a young uh, woman, a girl, and you're growing up as an adult, and how you deal with all your diabetic stuff. Mm-hmm. And how you don't care anymore if your gut just show up how you don't care if your partner um sees them or not uh what do you do with your pump when you're in the middle of 
sex and you just throw it to one side and then you throw it to the other one and then you just take it away and stuff like that that um make you grow up as a diabetic you know like at least for me if my partner doesn't uh like my diabetic gadgets it's a no no right so are you telling me that you think that because you've had diabetes longer and you didn't get to experience sexuality before diabetes that you kind of have the same relationship with it around sex that we describe as, you know, people like my daughter's had diabetes since she's two and she doesn't think about it the same way as people who were diagnosed when they were older. So like kind of that vibe, but around sexuality, it kind of sticks and is similar. I, um, I'm so used to my, to my diabetes. I'm so used to my alarms. I'm so used to all of these that for me, uh, being diabetic and having sex, it's like, they, it's, it's not a problem. Mm. It's like, um, I don't know. I'm so used to it. It's part of my life. Yeah. You have a CGM? And yes, I have a Dexcom. So maybe when it beeps, you just tell the person like, oh, that means you're not doing a good job. Try harder. <laughs> uh, let's just finish fast. <laughs> finish I have to go on it. <laughs> that thing beeps three <laughs> times. You've got two minutes, buddy. <laughs> Hey, finish faster. I'll get you as far as I can, <laughs> but I got to eat. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. If you want me to stay here longer, we have to do something about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> is there is there um any difference between a more casual relationship and a more long-term relationship or you don't see a difference? So, uh one of the reasons that I moved from New York was because I broke up with my ex-boyfriend. We were together for 9 years. And um, he knew me with an, uh, doing MDI, and then he knew me with uh, Medtronic, and then he knew me with the Omnipod. I mean, he went all the process with me, mm-hmm. and he didn't care. He actually didn't care a lot. And I don't know if it's because he didn't care or because I didn't care that he cared. So um, after we broke up and I moved to Miami, where I am right now, I've uh, been dating other people and i think they don't care neither okay uh, it's just i'm very open about it they, they go and they're like oh is that for stop smoking it's like no it's for my blood glucose you know like right and then i have to start explaining and because i work in the medical field for people it's even easier to understand like oh this is my insulin pump this is my glucose monitor if you hear it peeping don't worry, I'll take care of it. Right. Did, did you think that that boyfriend from New York, were you with him so long because you thought he didn't care and that was special about him? No, not no, at all. Not, nothing like that? Okay. Like no. you weren't like stuck with him no, because no, no. you're like, at least he's not bugging me about this. Okay. All right. No, not at all. I, I usually do the same example. I make the same example. Sorry. Like um, injecting insulin is like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. It's something that you have to do every day. So would you say that regardless of what the people around you say, like you have to brush your teeth, right? Maybe it's your attitude about it that doesn't allow them to even, you know what I mean? Or maybe you pick certain people, like maybe there's something about you that leads to what kind of people surround you. That would make sense to me. 
Maybe. So it happens that for my friends, my type 1D friends in New York, uh, I have one friend that also diabetic for 20 plus years. And she's always hiding her Dexcom. She's hiding her Omnipod. And she's, we have a WhatsApp group that we talk a lot between us and we do all these nerdy messages that we only understand. And she was telling, she texted once and she said, the only time that I feel free to wear my gadgets out in the open is when I'm with Fernanda. <laughs> I was like, well, girl, there you go. <laughs> well, then, yeah, maybe my point's valid. Maybe there's something about you that just lets people feel comfortable. I feel comfortable talking maybe. to you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. I Listen, I hear it from people a lot, too. They say, oh, well, you're very easy to talk to. Or I said something during our conversation I never expected to say. You made me feel comfortable. And I'm like, I didn't make you feel comfortable. Like, I, I didn't, like, sit down and thoughtfully be like, oh, I'll make this person feel comfortable. There might just be something easy about you. And I, you have a nice, like, pleasant smile. And you, you know what I mean? Thank like, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe that's <laughs> it. You just attract good boys. Maybe some people just attract uh, people who are uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, a magnet. <laughs> you're a what? I'm a magnet. You're a magnet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it sounds like you're not. It sounds like you attract like reasonable people who don't judge people based on their, at the very least, on their diabetes technology. So yeah, I I don't judge people at all. I'm usually very open to to everybody, and um. I don't know. It's, I think it, go, it goes with my profession that I'm like, you know, physical therapists have a lot of a psychological component into it. We, we we have to spend an hour with every patient. So we, we, we need to talk about something. Right. And, um, and you meet a lot yeah, of new people. I try to. Right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have. And it's intimate. Like right off the bat. I mean, you know, I mean, if I have a thigh injury, it's more intimate than. You know, if you worked in a, oh, in a yeah, loan, yeah. In a loan but office. You know, it's the same thing as the, okay, let's go back. It's the same thing as uh, having a pump. You know, like, I don't make any difference if your injury is in your thigh or is in your low back or is in your shoulder. For me, it's your body is your body, and I respect it totally from your last toe, from your, 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 your toes to your last piece of hair. Hmm. Like, I don't make any difference from it. Do you think other- usually if it's more intimate parts, I will say, Hey, do you know what? I'm really sorry, but I, I have to, I have to touch it. Right. And they're like, yeah, no, no worries. But you don't make faces. You don't make jokes. You're, you you respect every part of it. Yeah. But I'm saying that's a, that's an aspect of your life that you're accustomed to. And so absolutely. Yeah. Even that makes sense. Really? You, you, is it, all right, I'm going to ask you a question here. Is it easier to have sex with the Omnipod than it was with the Medtronic? Absolutely. <laughs> the Medtronic sometimes was just hanging somewhere. <laughs> and I had to, uh, and I remember my, my ex telling me, okay, what are we going to do about it? Like, I'm going to take it off. And you know, when you take the, um, the pump from the insertion side, uh, there's a cup that goes over it, like to close it. And it happens that if you don't put the cup, like the edges of the insertion side are very sharp. So he he usually had like five or six cups in his night in his night table, and he was like, "There's a cup. Okay, I took it off." <laughs> so he would actually keep the little caps to put on the site. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and like, what are we going to do about this? It's all over the place. I was like, I'll take it off. Okay, here's a cup. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Makes it silly when you hear people say, uh, I, oh, we stopped to put on a condom and it broke the mood. You're like, I had to take my insulin pump off. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, we, we were used to it. You know, like uh, we really didn't care. Do you think Omnipod should change their tagline to easier to work with? <laughs> In their ads? Do you think they it should be, make it? It ad? would be a good line. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't mess around with your nightlife. <laughs> See, you were you were nicer. I know I can beat myself out, so I I, I didn't I didn't think about it that way. Uh, you can put it in comfortable places that you don't have to deal with. Yeah, it's interesting. It, I mean, when we chose it for Arden so long ago, she was four, and it was one of the first things that struck me. I was like, this just seems more adaptable like just not being i mean it just seemed like common sense like not being tethered to something seemed better than being tethered to something i know people get used to other pumps um but there's still aspects of it that nobody talks about so that is yeah so from from going from a tube pump to a tubeless pump um originally i i didn't choose the metronic g670 i mean yes i chose it but it was my doctor's preference I had an amazing endo in New York. And um, so when I moved to New York, looking for a doctor and everything, it was hard in the beginning. I didn't know how to do it. And all I wanted was a pump. And she said, well, you know what? What if you wait for a second? Because Medtronic is coming with their next pump in July, 2017. And it's going to be a closed loop. And this is how it's going to work. I'm like, uh, I barely know how a pump works, but if you tell me it's the best that it's going to come with, I, I I, can wait. I don't mm-hmm. mind. I don't even know what a loop is, but sure, if you say so, I'm going with it. And I wait. It came. I uh, learned how to use it. I was with it like for two years until I met my diabetic peeps. And they were, all of them, in loop. I didn't know what loop was. And the, the loop, the loop, you know what the loop is. Yeah. yeah. And um, not the Medtronic loop, the other loop. And they were saying, this is really good. This is fabulous. My A1C is here. My A1C is there. I have so much control over my blood sugars. And I was like, okay, um, I'm, I'm willing to, but because I'm so not technological, I was afraid because I didn't know how, how to manage it. I mean, I barely know how to turn on and off my computer and leave it there. And they're like, no, you will be able. Don't worry, we will help you. And I was like, okay. After like six months insisting, I said, okay, I'm going to try it. And one of my friends gave me a box of Omnipods and his P- and her PDM. And she said, here you are, try. I'm like, uh, okay, uh, how do I manage this? And she said, give me your numbers. Give me your ratio, your factor, everything. We're going to do it together. Here you are. You're ready. Go. And I tried the Omnipod like for two weeks and I said, okay, I love this. Um, how I was thinking last, uh, last week, it, it was love at first sight. Mm. S-I-T-E. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe no and, one's uh, ever made that joke before. <laughs> I, love, I love at first sight. And then I said, okay, I'm going for the loop. And one friend said, I have an extra uh, Riley link, so I'm going to give it to you. Use it if you like it. You buy yours, and then you give it back. And that is how I went into Loop, just by my friends sharing their stuff with me. 
And I really liked it. And eventually I bought my Rhinolink. I got my Omnipod, even though I was not out of the Medtronic yet. But because they fall under different categories inside a medical insurance, I didn't have any problem. Mm-hmm. And that is how it changed. And I'm very happy with it. Wow. So you know a lot of people. And for the first time in a long time, I had my lowest A1C that is, has been 6.6. That's amazing. That's very good. good I was, you. yeah, I was diagnosed with 17.4. Wow. I wanted to go backwards a little bit. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, but sure. you, you said your dad said, your dad said he that you didn't deserve a pump. Like, where do you think that thought came from? So I have a hard uh, relationship with my dad. He was not the easiest dad to deal with. Um, raised in a mer- in a very military family, um, that was his way of raising us. And when I was diagnosed. He is, uh, his way of thinking, very squared thinking. He was like, this is the insulin you need. This is the carbs you have to eat. And this is how your life is going to go. Back that time, using NPH, which I don't know how we survived to that insulin, but whatever. Um, he was very rigid with the numbers. Mm-hmm. This is the amount of insulin. This is the amount of carbs. This is the amount of insulin. This is the amount of carbs. And don't get out of there. And if you have a low, why do you have a low? And if you have a high, what what did you eat? Like there was always a judgment out of it. Mm-hmm. And eventually we changed to, um, I don't remember the, la- the long acting insulin, but it was for 12 hours. So I have to put it at uh, morning at night and then with Humalog. And it was a, it was a hard change for him to understand that numbers were not the same anymore. And that he could have more flexibility with timings. That I didn't have to have breakfast every day at 7 a.m. And I didn't have to have lunch every day at 12.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. That I could be more flexible. That I, if I wanted to have lunch at 3, I could. And if I didn't want to eat everything, I could. So it, it was all a big mess. At the same time, I gained a lot of weight. I gained uh, almost 70 pounds in two years Okay. Uh, because of this amount of carbs that I was putting in and this amount of insulin that people just thought it was the good thing to have. Right. And it was, you couldn't adjust it. Okay. So Himalo came in, I tried and I remember he always used to tell me the same thing and he got so angry about it. Please stop playing with insulin. And this is what you call now being bold with insulin. Mm -hmm. My dad called it playing with insulin. And he was so afraid of it that every time that I started playing with it, he would just punish me. And you are not going out with your friends. You're not going out partying. Um, I used to do a lot of sports until today. I was playing field hockey by that time. Um, I was going into the nationals tournament and everything. And his way of punishing me was, you're not going to your field hockey uh, match this weekend. Oh, that sucks. Just because I wanted to get more adjusted with insulin. Yeah. It sucked. Actually, it did. My A1C never went down from 9 or 10. He was very frustrated about it. Every time an A1C came in, it was another punishment because it was not on 7. Um, he did- wanted to manage my insulin as much as he could, even though I was 18. And 
when I started asking for an insulin pump, he was like, do you know what? Number one is expensive. And number two, you don't deserve it because you're not showing good numbers. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And ha- that is how my life went on. Yeah. Let me ask you, did you have any idea in, in that management style right there? Did you have any idea how to make your A1C lower? Uh, not really. Yeah, I mean, so he's saying to not you, really. you're you're wrong for not doing for not accomplishing this, but yet you, he doesn't know how to do it. Neither do you. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Not really. Yeah. It's just that I have I have one one little issue. <laughs> I love picking food. Um, I'm really I'm not a big eater. I don't have like big plates of food, but I love having little snacks all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you can't be having snacks all day when you were an NPH. Yeah, but you can now, right? Now it's not as an issue. Now, right? now I do all the time. Yeah. Um, other thing, it's like um, I have a really sweet tooth, mm. so I love cereals. I love chocolate. I love all that stuff. <laughs> And uh, every time I had like a piece of chocolate here or a bowl of cereal there, my blood sugar was all over the place and I didn't know how to manage it, even though I tried. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know. I think, my, well, my first hypocoma was a big mistake, was because I confused insulins. Instead of putting 30 units of the slow, I put 30 units of Humalog. Yeah. But the second one was maybe because I was trying to manage while I was partying out with my friends and the mix of alcohol, dancing, food, and insulin was not in a good line. And I went home and I woke up in a ICU the next morning. Okay. How long ago was that? The last coma was 10 years ago, I believe. 10 years ago. And after that one, the doctor told me like one more and I don't know if I'm going to be able to wake you up. Okay. So... Yeah, so that pump seemed necessary all of a sudden, huh? Like, not just a, a nice thing to have. I think that when I decided to come to the United States, God, in one way or the other, tried to help me bringing a cat and a G6. <laughs> God. Listen, you can't keep saying delightful <laughs> things because you already chose the episode title. It's called Love at First Sight. It's just too good. <laughs> I, we, we, I mean, you're gonna have to say something pretty amazing from here forward to get that uh, to get that one knocked off. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, sometimes things just come into your life and and you definitely need them. And I, listen, I'm not gonna defend. And you. after two years in New York, I met all these diabetic people that they are amazing. How did you meet them? Like with capital letters, amazing. How how do you meet people like like that have diabetes? Did you go to a meeting or online or how did you do that? Um, kind of. Managing insulin is difficult enough when you have good data, but it gets harder when the numbers you're getting aren't accurate. With that in mind, I ask you, is your blood glucose meter accurate. You don't know, do you? Of course you don't, because someone just gave it to you. You didn't look into it or ask any questions. 
and I understand why. I didn't either the first time somebody gave me a meter. I just took the one the doctor gave me. But now I know better. Now I know about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. And you can know about it as well. It's not a secret. And you have the internet, I imagine. So head over to contournext.com forward slash juice box. At that website, you can learn everything you need to know about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. I'm going to tell you my favorite parts. It's easy to hold and easy to transport. It has a bright light for use at night. And the screen is gorgeous. Do you understand what I'm saying? The numbers are big and they are well lit and I can see them. Me and my old eyes. I, I know what they are. The test strips are fantabulous. They offer second chance testing. So if you touch a little bit of blood but don't get quite enough, you can go back and get the rest without ruining the accuracy of your blood sugar test. And accuracy is what this is all about. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You can make your decisions a little less burdensome by having accurate measurements, right? You don't want to be guessing about what your blood sugar is. You don't want to be thinking like, well, I hope this meter is like close. Where did I get this meter from? Did the guy pull it out of a drawer? Did the salesperson? Oh God, I don't remember. Why do we have this meter? I'd like you to not be walking around with a blood glucose meter that you can't remember how you got. Make a decision. Check out the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Support the sponsors. Support the show. Ooh, sorry. That's uh, no data from Arden's Dexcom. She's on an airplane right now. An airplane that uh, does not have Wi-Fi. I didn't mean to interrupt us. Let me just put this back down now. By the way, Dexcom's a sponsor too. They didn't sponsor this episode, but Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Let's get back to Fernanda. So it happens that once I started in the pump and my A1C started getting better, I, I started running. And as I said before, I've always been an athlete, but uh, running is another monster. You have to deal with your blood sugars for a long time while you're exercising. And while I was in MDI, I was able to run like maybe what, two, three miles. And then I was crushing down. I couldn't hold it. But with a pump, I figured out that I would do three miles, four miles, five, seven, eight, and I could manage. And I was like, okay, um, let me see how other people manage their sugars while they are running to see if they are doing better or worse or whatever. Just I needed ideas of what mm -hmm. to bring in. So I started uh, talking with one of my patients like, hey, I need to find a group of type one diabetics that run. And I'm Googling and I can't find one. And I'm sure there has to be one because there's way too many out there. And I'm not the only one that runs, I'm for sure. I know I'm not the only one. And she said, well, you know, uh, Billie Jean King was a diabetic. I was like, yeah, two, I need a one. <laughs> and she was like, okay, we'll find one. Okay, we'll find one. And eventually Googling, I found Beyond Type 1. And Beyond Type 1, um, it's, it's an amazing community too. They have these uh, Type 1 run community. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, when you go to Facebook and you look for them and they suggest different type one run communities, there's the metro area of New York. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to join this one. Let's see what the people do in this city. And short after I went through there, they said, hey, we're going to meet. We want to see each other faces. So let's come together this day, this place, this time. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go. You know, I don't have any issues socializing. And that is how we met. Wow. And it's incredible. The other day we were talking like if we were just on our own in a bar, we have never come together like how we are now because we just share that we're diabetics. Yeah. How would you know who's who really or, you know, that's really, that's excellent. Really cool. Hey, does and we're the, like 20. Does it turn 30, into a social? I don't know, but... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. It, does it turn into a social circle? besides running absolutely yeah what's it absolutely I, I have to ask you what it's like to be young in new york with diabetes it's just i mean thank you for the young part yeah, i love it well, <laughs> listen you've been there for a while right so i was asking you to go back in your memory really uh no no I'm, but but seriously like that's a single even Miami's a bit of a, I mean, Miami's sort of like New York, but, you know, closer to Cuba, basically. You, you, you know, like, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, I mean, I, there's similar kind of aspects to the social lives. So, I, I mean, how much do you think about it, having diabetes while you're being social? Um, not much. No, you don't, because you were had it when you were young. Actually, for saying I don't care at all, it's like part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, The easier thing about loop is that you can control how much insulin you put in or suspend or whatever with your cell phone. So nobody knows if you're putting insulin or sending a text message. Right. It's excellent. It's very cool. And because I'm because I'm I'm very yeah because I'm very obvious with my with my Omnipod, I, I sometimes wear both in the same arm or I wear my G67 on my chest, the six, uh, G6 on my chest all the time. Mm-hmm. So people see it and they are like, oh, the same as I said before, is this stop smoking? I was like, nope. Yeah. And I have to start telling, no, nah, I'm diabetic, but I'm, I'm cool. So let's go partying. Right. Hey, listen, I'm going to, you're a little noisy. I'm going to stop your video just to see if that helps sure. us. Sure. I can stop it. Yeah, thank you. It, there you go. Hopefully, it'll just give us a little more bandwidth. Uh, but I want to go back for a second so people understand. You wear your G6 on your chest. Do you mean, is it on your breast or is it up on your, like, up on higher on your chest? It's like uh, two, three fingers under my clavicle. Okay. That's a perfect explanation. But you see it everywhere. I mean, last week, I had it on my, on my, um, on my lower leg. On your calf? Oh, my cuff, yeah. Yeah. I've seen people do that. I use it everywhere. Yeah. Um, do you find it works better in one place than the other? Oh, the chest, for sure. That is my gold standard place. No kidding. Interesting. Arden loves it on her hips. It, does, it doesn't bother. I, I some, So right now I have it on my hip. The only problem is that every time I want to go to the bathroom and I put my pants down, I feel I'm going to take it away. I um I've heard her say that before. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The biggest, I would say if Arden has any issue with her hip, it's that if she side sleeps, sometimes it could give her a compression low. Um, Oh, for sure. Uh, So the Omnipod right now, I have it in the inner part of my thigh. Uh, Four days ago, I have it in the outer part of my thigh and I'm I'm a side sleeper. And I couldn't sleep to that side because I feel it like digging in into my thigh. Yeah. Hey, the inner, how far, how far on the inner part of your thigh? Like what, if if we talk about the top of your thighs, like the crown, is it all the way 90 degrees? No, no, no. It's not the way, it's not the way in because my legs are a little uh, chunky (laughs) Uh, and I don't want to walk with it between my legs, but it's like, uh, let's say two fingers in the upper part of your thigh. Like it's if you put your legs together, it won't go in the middle. That's all I understand. Okay, pod rub. Yeah, you don't want that, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> well, you figure it out with time. Um, I used to put it on the lower back uh, before, and it's very comfortable when you're standing up and when you're sitting down. You want to kill yourself. Okay. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine because it's always going to hit a chair, especially anything with like lumbar support in it would probably be. Yeah. yeah, I used to put the uh, the Dexcom like in this roll that I have, like uh, on my on my mid back, like where the um, the bra goes on the back. Mm-hmm. There's a I have a little roll, a fat roll in there. <laughs> I used to put my my Dexcom in there, and it used to be very comfortable until I decided to take off one of my t-shirts, and it came out with it. I was like, ah, oh, no, forget it. You're very adaptable. About everything, really. Why do you think that is? I try. Um, you know, it took me 15 years to recognize my condition. Um, I neglected it for a long time. I was very frustrated about my numbers. Um... It, uh, my first uh, depression episode or diagnosis, I don't know how you want to call it, was because of diabetes. And I think that when I moved to the U.S. and I was able to take care of my life for myself for the first time, and I had the chance and the money and the opportunity to have a better control life, I just wanted to enjoy it as much as I could. So. Um, I don't feel ashamed of it. I'm very proud of managing it as best as I can and the long road that I have been going with it. And uh, I try to just uh, be flexible with everything because I don't want it to to be like a, like a, a I don't know, like stop point in my life. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Should. Was... Was your father right to be worried or was the way he was, did, is the way he acted what put you into that feeling that you just described? No, I think he was just extra worried. And my mom was too, both of them were. It's just that my dad was more um, militant about it. How would you 
Yeah, yeah, he was really good at punishing and screaming and shouting and this very terrifying uh, image of it. Um, actually, I stopped talking with my dad like five years ago mm. and I uh, started talking to him again two months ago. It took me time to forgive him for all of what he did. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, right now I'm, I'm good. I think I, I, I went a long process with my psychologist and my psychiatrist to stand up again and say, do you know what? This is who I am and here I am. Mm. And this is what I come with. And let's go. What would, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, what, what parenting tactic would have been valuable to you? What do you mean? What could your dad have done that would have helped your health back then and given you a more healthy outlook as an adult? Like if you were Don't him. Don't punish me because my blood sugar was high. Yeah. Don't punish me because I was gaining weight. Don't tell me like that I look like a cow because I'm 170 pounds. Uh, don't promise me gifts if I lose 30 pounds. That, that is not the way of doing it, you know? Like, um, if I'm low, you, you don't punish me. Yeah. Okay, here you go. Correct it. Let's see what happened the next time you put one unit less. If you want to eat the whole lasagna thing, go and eat it. I just want you to finish with a hundred of blood glucose, you know? Mm. Let's see how to do it. Yeah. But no, he never had that psychologist. I That psychology. I think that um, when you love somebody so much, sometimes it's it's bad because you don't let them grow. Yeah, yeah, and he did. He obviously didn't know how to help. I mean, you know, it, it's a tough. No, he didn't. Say, yeah, I mean, you're using regular MPH, and it's it, it would have been difficult for anybody. But the rest of it doesn't make sense. Like listening to it, I don't know how he goes from. Hey, eat all this because you're supposed to eat all these carbs too. You're gaining weight. That's your fault too. Like, but don't gain weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Eat all this food. Don't gain weight. Oh, okay. You know, like. Exactly. <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? And you're young. So. Uh, and I was a teenager. Yeah. Hey. Uh, I, I got my first period when I was 15 years old. And uh, let's just start another roller coaster, you know? Mm. It didn't get any but better. But he never. He, he never uh, assumed any part of it. He just said, I'm doing what I have to do, but she's not collaborating. So that's why the numbers are so messed up. Mm. Yeah, like it's your fault. Because he probably couldn't imagine anything else. He didn't know what was going on. So I guess if you're... If he's... Well, I, 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 already, I already forgive him about it. Yeah. Um, the last episode that I listened from you was this... Uh, guy Mike that he had all these complications because of being diabetic and having his high A1Cs for so long and it's like it it made me kind of worried a little bit because my A1C was up in the tens for more than 15 years mm -hmm. like I hope I hope that I'm not gonna have any of this I hope how are you so far so far I'm really good um, all my numbers are coming out fine. My eyes are working beautiful. 
uh, my creatinine levels are on point. It's just that um, complications come without advice. So, yeah, no, when they show up, they're just I hope show up all I'm, at once. I'm standing up when that happens. Yeah. Hey, you said you're, you're speaking to your father again. Did you did you tell him? Yes. Like, was that part of the process? No. Did you tell him how you felt back then? No, because I know his answer and I don't want to deal with it. I got you. So you just moved on. You just kind of drew yeah. your new life. Start over. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. He's going to blame it on me. Gotcha. If you go back and tell him how you feel, it's all going to start over again. I hear you. Okay. Yes, he will. He will say, "I did everything that I had to do. You, you didn't do your part." Hmm. Okay. He's very narcissist. All right. I so see. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into that. Uh, into that part of my life again. It's. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. No. I mean, I think it's. I also think it's healthy not to hold on to resentment about things. So it's good for you. You know what I mean? To, to yeah. just let it go. Um, I'm already ma- I'm, I'm already in charge of my own things, and um, I'm happy about it. Yeah, cool. That's excellent. Do you think you want to have? <laughs> do you think you want to have kids? I would love to. Oh. I would love to have kids, but I'm already uh, because of all these complication things that we were talking. Um, I'm in the position that if they come. I'm very happy to have them, and if they don't, they just don't. Okay, so you're not you're not actively you know chasing a boy around trying to make it happen. You're just living your life. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. 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 I come from a very conservative family. I if if I have kids, I would like to have you know, I'm not going to say a husband, but at least a partner to have a, a father image to my kid. You know. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, yeah, it makes sense to me. Are you, do you, do you date with that in mind or like, how do, how does a single person, I've never, Fernando, listen, I've never been single really. Like, you know what I mean? Like I I got (laughs) married when I was pretty young and, and things like that. So how does a single person, um, like yourself, like, how do you even find people? And when you find them, like, does it become obvious very quickly who wants to get married and who just wants to date? And how does that all work? Well, uh, I think there's a difference between dating when you're 20 and when you're 30, when you're 20, you're just dating and having fun and whatever it happens, it happens. But when you're 30, you're already very straightforward. Um, you meet somebody, you have fun or just talking. And then the, the question just pops up like, hey, uh, are you planning to, to marry one day, have kids, or you want to be single for the rest of your days? That is a question that I do right away. I, I'm, I'm not shy about it at all. And you don't care what their answer is. You just want to know. Yeah, I don't care about their answer. I just want to know exactly. Like, it doesn't have to be with me. I'm just asking in general, like, what is your plan for the rest of your days, you know? Right. Um, it's it's just to be wise with whom you are spending your time when it comes to date with. Mm-hmm. I already, um, I, it was nine years of my life that I was with the same guy. But originally he told me, no, I don't want to get married. I don't want kids. I don't want anything. And I had this idea, of course, as every woman saying, ah, he will change his mind. 
Mm. Of course, he never did. And after eight years, we were fighting a lot. So uh, when things that were already bad, we've, we finished. And he decided that he wanted to marry now and he wanted to have kids. And he kneeled, actually. He gave me a ring and I said, I'm so sorry. It's too late. Your, that feeling kind of left you? Like, w- was, there, yeah. was there a time when you would have married him? Absolutely. If he asked me maybe two years earlier or three years earlier, when I just came to New York, uh, poof, I was, I was in love. Mm. I was silly in love. But after, you know, some disappointments on and off, I, it, it was, nah. Did the fighting, yeah. did the I fi- just moved. did the fighting sour it? Like, more than the fighting, you know, um, he started showing um, personality issues that were, were very, very similar to my dad's. Ah, okay. And when I saw them coming, like the shouting, the undermining, um, all these bad words coming out and everything, I, I said, you know, and I know. This is a very, very red flag. I need to get out of here now. <laughs> I've done this once. I'm, I'm good. I don't need to do it again. Thank you. It took me time to figure it out. Huh? It took me like seven years to figure out. Really? Because I was in love, so I didn't, I didn't see the bad things. But well, I, I, I saw the red flag. It was like almost on my nose, <laughs> and I said, "Okay, I'm, I'm out of here." <laughs> and I've met like very nice guys on the way, so. Cool. I'm very thankful that I was able to realize it on time. Do you um think about guys' backgrounds when you're dating, or do you not care where they're from? Um, what do you mean, like country, profession, family? I think maybe I mean all of it, and I'd be happy to pick through it. Like, so let's start with you know, do you look at their prospects, their their professional prospects? How long until that matters? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm a very competitive person when it comes to uh, talking, knowledge. I like to talk about politics. I I like to talk about uh, the news. I like to talk about a lot of stuff. And I want a man by my side that um, can tell me, hey, yeah, absolutely. Or no, I don't think this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Do you want them to be able to make a certain amount of money? Mm, no, money is not an issue. You know, money comes and goes. Okay. Today you can be a millionaire. Today, tomorrow you can have nothing. Right. How about just like um, cultural backgrounds? Does does do you are you looking for similarities to your own, or does that not matter? No, not really. You know, I've had a lot of boyfriends. I mean, not a lot. I'm gonna say <laughs> I've got like seven boyfriends in my life since I started dating, mm-hmm. but they all have different backgrounds. And that is funny. Oh, okay. Uh, I, uh, I, ha- I dated a Brazilian. I dated a guy from Holland or Netherlands. I dated a guy from um, Dominican Republic. That was my ex. Uh, I was with a guy from England. Yeah, I, I, I really don't mind about their background. Gotcha. Uh, religiously, does it matter to you? No, not really. I'm Catholic, but I don't remember the last time I went to church. Gotcha. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I believe I, in God and the Virgin Mary. But if I let's say you and I meet and I don't believe in any of that, I'm a, I just come right out and I tell you I'm an atheist. Can you date me? Absolutely. It's a thing of respect. If you respect that I believe in God and the Virgin Mary, and I respect that you don't believe in anything, then we're fine. Okay. Okay. Now, if you're going to start judging me because I decided to start going to church on Sunday, then we're going to be in a problem. Right. No, no. I would expect that. Yeah. I, I just didn't know if they, they had to be similar. Of all those guys with different backgrounds, no. was that the cat? Uh, no, 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 that was me saying no. Oh, I was like, you were like, I speak, I, I spoke over. So listen, for people to understand, like my voice is pumped up in my ears a little bit. So sometimes like, it's hard for me to, and so I was like, did, was that a meow or a no? And I just didn't know which way I wasn't certain. And then it was me saying no. Okay. And then I thought that I was disappointed because the cat didn't have an accent. So I was like, oh, well, that's a letdown. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of of the boys that you mentioned from all the different backgrounds, um, did any of them? What's the what do I want to ask you? Were, were, was there any background that's more passionate? Less, like they, did they Oof. trend in different ways? Um, I'm gonna say that the guy that I was uh, dating from the Netherlands, he was the most romantic for sure. In kind of a kind. He learned how to cook. He learned how to cook Chilean food. He would just get me out on dates out of the blue. He was very nice. Maybe it was because we were both in the, our early twenties. I don't know, but I have really good, really good memories from him. Right. He was trying hard. Oh my god! Yes, he was so cute. <laughs> but you guys were too young. That wasn't going to work out, right? Super young. Yeah. Which, if if you could go to one of those backgrounds now to start over with, which one would you choose? Uh, maybe him, but because I ha we have really good memories together. Yeah, it's not so much but about how. Honestly, I I I don't mind a lot about backgrounds. I I just enjoy good company. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Okay. It actually doesn't matter at all. I, I feel the same. I just was interested to see if, you know, there was just one thing that, that stuck with you all this time. And if it, if you felt like, it, <laughs> and you felt, if you felt like it was cultural or not, that's all. No, not at all. Gotcha. Not at all. If you want to know a freak thing, um, this guy that I was dating from Brazil, we were together like for six months, maybe seven. And he never told me that he was diabetic until I saw one humalog pen in his table night. I was like, and he's, and the table and like what is this about it's like oh uh that is mine no for sure it's yours it's not mine wait wait but wait why didn't you tell me that you were diabetic and he was like uh uh i don't tell anybody <laughs> did, did he know you were <laughs> yes he knew oh that's up. that's weird <laughs> not right yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> i didn't like that hold on i gotta write down where i said up. oh no i said it again hold on <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, is one of the freak things that uh, have happened to me dating. Yeah, that's insane. Did that like did that change the relationship? Uh, you just well, let it go. Know, it's, it's I'm not gonna say it's a red flag, but it is for sure a yellow. <laughs> we could say yellow card. Like what, what's going on in here? Like something so something that is going to be with you for the rest of your life, why don't you share it, you know? 
I wonder if that's just that he is like, I wonder if, I wonder if that's an indication of how long he thought he was going to be with you or if he really didn't, he just didn't tell people. And how- I don't know. Sometimes I see it with my patients a lot. Um, they don't like sharing their medical background because they don't like to be judged. Hmm. And I, I use my diabetes as my, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, like my Troy horse. Your Trojan um, horse. Yes, that they are like, hi, well, I can do exercise right now because I'm diabetic. Oh, my God, me too. Let's go. Ah, that's your way in. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have yes. Be, I mean, obviously, I have a, a podcast where I talk a lot, but I don't think about that stuff ever. Like, I would never think to hide something about myself if I was having a conversation. Like, it just all seems, everything seems pertinent to me. Um, and well, a lot of people hide their stuff if they are uh, HIV positive. They don't like them people to know if they have cancer, if they have MS. I don't know. A lot of people are afraid of being judged. And I think that my way of being so obvious about my diabetes is a way for them to tell them, look, you're not alone. You know, we're a lot of chronic. Uh, there are a lot of people with chronic illnesses out there. Yeah. It's not just you. I try to say that there's way more than you think, you know, like it, and it, and it feels so limit. It can feel so limiting and, and singular because I think partly because other people don't share or let you know. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there is something that we all share. I'm not saying as diabetics, but as uh, uh, chronic ill people, we all share the burnout. Um, we all share these being, uh, um, tired and uh, whatever it comes with it, like we are not the only ones that we stop putting insulin when we are done with our. We we don't want to be diabetics anymore. Right. There are people with cancer that they stop doing chemo because they're done with it. Mm-hmm. There are people with um, HIV that they stop taking their medication because they're done with it. There are a lot of people that with chronic illnesses that they stop taking their medications and their treatments because they're done, and then. We feel so bad that we're all coming back and say, please give me my insulin back. Yeah. But we all go through that process because it happens. We get tired. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I, I have a question from earlier. Um, it's yeah. kind of a question for me, not for you. But you said that you recently listened to the um, the After Dark episode with Mike about his complications and that it yes. made you concerned for yourself. Yes. Put yourself in my shoes for a second. Was making that episode the right thing for me to do? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So. Absolutely. So even though it made you worried, it was still, it was still important for you to, to hear. Well, I think we all know where, where we are hitting if we don't take care. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the reason why I have so many hypoglycemic comas was because my dad was very afraid that I was going to lose my kidneys if I was high all the time. So he rather had me low. It's just that he didn't know that every time I had a hypocoma, part of my brain was shutting down until one of the doctors told him, look, you are killing her brain like this. Mm. So after that, he realized and he said, oh, okay, so hypoglycemicomas is a short-term issue. Well, DKAs are a long-term issue. 
I never had a DKA. I was not diagnosed by a DKA. Uh, the first DKA, I had it uh, two years ago, and I really, really felt like, shit. I'm sorry for the word, but I felt really bad. Um, but because of that, uh, I think that um, long-term problems have been always behind my head because my dad always repeated to me, you have to have your blood sugar low because if not, you're going to lose your kidneys, you're going to go blind, you're going to lose your feet and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And working in a hospital as a physical therapist, believe me, I, I have at least once a day a patient with a diabetic complication, open ulcers in their feet, uh, an amputation, um, necrotizing toes or whatever that is. So I have I have the reminding the reminder all the time. Yeah. But you say, oh, those are type two. They don't care. They're three hundred pounds, whatever. But when I I like you you start it in the back of your mind. But when I heard Mike, I was like, oh, uh, I don't want that. Man. Please God help me. But were you glad you heard it? Histo- Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I just. I mean, you can you try to imagine that, you know, I'm trying to build a narrative with a podcast that's pretty wide sweeping, and I feel like that that was important to do, but it's odd because I don't have type one, so I'm the one. Well, making, but, I'm the one making the decision to put that out there, and it's you know. But remember that out there, Mike is not the only one. Yeah, no, he was the one that decided to talk, but a lot of people are dealing with complications. So it's the same thing as I'm doing right now, telling everyone that everybody that I'm diabetic, he's telling everyone, everybody, sorry, that they're not the only ones having complications. Right. No, I listen. I obviously thought it was the right thing to do. I was just interested in how you felt about it. You're the first adult that I've spoken to uh, who's heard it um, since it's been up. So like oh, on, okay. on, on the podcast, you know, I mean, I've spoken to people privately, but being recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was. um I mean, I took my cues from him. He felt like it was incredibly important to do. And I thought he was a good it arbiter is. of that decision. So, Yeah, when he said, well, now that I hit my A1C of five and I'm not getting out from there, I was like, oh, I'm going to aim for that number too. Just give me time to figure it out. <laughs> going to keep trying, right? <laughs> right now I'm in 6.6 and I feel like I'm wanting the, I don't know, like a gold medal, but I can get even higher. <laughs> yeah. No, you could definitely get a gold I'd give you a gold medal for 6.6. That's amazing. Especially from where Thank you came you. from. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, from where you came from and everything you've been through, like that you even found the courage to try it is a big deal. Yeah, yeah for sure. but I, I'm going to tell you in the, in the back of my mind, I'm very afraid that uh, one day uh, another hypocoma is going to come. Yeah, I, I was going to ask that, that. That one gets me. That one gets me. Yeah. I was wondering. It's not much. funny to wake up one morning in an ICU, like not knowing what happened. And yeah, I have my cat that he can wake me up. But, um, uh, yeah, what for what my mom tells me, every time that I had a hypocoma, I was having seizures and I was not waking up. Mm-hmm. So for sure, if I'm having seizures, my cat is not going to wake me up. Do you have glucagon now? And because, yeah, I have glucagon, but what's the point if I can put it? Yeah, if it comes on you too quickly, right? You know, like all the times that I needed a glucagon, my mom put it in. And, but, um, yeah, I tried to share my Dexcom, my Dexcom numbers with my brother, all my families in Chile. I tried to share them with my brother in Chile 
Um, I couldn't. Uh, for one, I don't know what's the reason, but Dexcom doesn't allow you to share numbers outside of the U.S. territory. Internationally, I just figured that out recently when I offered to help somebody with their child and they were Canadian and I had them send me their thing and I couldn't do it. I didn't realize that. No, you either. can't. You can. So right now I'm trying to find a peep here in Miami that I can have the confidence to say, uh, do you want to hear my alarms at 2 a.m.? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would you like to be irritated by me, even when I'm not with you? <laughs> I'm still trying to look for that BFF yeah. that wants to share the burden with me. Do you think it would take another type one to want to do that? or Maybe um, I, I don't know. So I found the father of a type one here. That we play beach volleyball together, and I asked him if he was willing to to have my numbers in his cell phone, you know. And he said, "Sure, yeah, share them to me, whatever." But the last time I saw him was like a month ago, so I was like, "Ah, oh, forget it. Yeah, um, this is not gonna work right now." It's a, it definitely but, is a um, weird. It's a strange ask because now suddenly, like if you asked me to do it, I'd think, "Well, now I feel responsible to make sure you're okay," and that's. I know, right? That's a big so leap. it's yeah. it's weird. That's what I'm saying. I'm finding like a BFF. They don't know, they don't have to come. They just have to call nine one one. That's all. I I don't even want you to like. Don't even bother calling me. Just send an ambulance to wherever I am. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. If you call me and I don't answer, call nine one one. You don't even have to get out from your bed. But Fernanda, is that more of a um? Is that more of a fear based on your past history or your current situation? I think a fear based on my past history, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because if you're looping, then, I mean, not that it's foolproof, but you have you noticed on loop that it's pretty hard for your blood sugar to get under 50 if things are set up pretty well? Like, that loop does a pretty good job of, of stopping, like, super low lows. Do you agree? Or yes, you I, I had one incident with loop three months ago that killed me. I don't know how it happened, but it, it ballast 15 units at two in the morning. Hmm. And that one, I, I don't know how it happened. I woke up at uh, 3 a.m. with, so you know that Dexcom, when you're going down, it first gives you a very, like a normal sound alarm, like a beep, beep, beep. And you're, oh, okay, I'm low. But because I don't feel the lows, Sometimes I could just look at it, turn around and continue sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then the second peep comes and it's a little bit lower, a, a little bit higher, sorry. And if you don't turn that one off, the third one is going to wake up the whole building. Yeah, that panic one. And uh, the, the one yes, that's like, I don't oh. even know how to like, it's like, dun, 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 dun. it's like, it, it, uh, you can almost hear it yelling at you, get up, get up, pay attention. <laughs> like that one, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very loud alarm. And then it's when I woke up, I was like, okay, what's going on in here? And I was in 32. I'm like, uh, okay, I'll go and eat something. And I went to the kitchen. I got like a, a glass of sugar, water, whatever. And I started drinking. And I was like, how on earth did I get to 32? Mm. And I just started looking at the, at the loop numbers. And it, I don't know, it, it had a glitch. And it sent me in a bolus of 15 units. Hmm. It should be able to uh, limit how much it can bolus. I, uh, I'm not a loop well, expert, it, that's for sure. But it has a so you have a max delivery for your basalt and you have a max delivery for boluses. Yeah. My max delivery for basalts is a top of five units. 
But the max delivery for Bolos, I have it on 15. Because, and for one reason, yeah. I don't know which one it is, it gave me 15 units at once. And it was scary as hell. Yeah, no kidding. Did you have... um? Is there any chance you woke up and gave yourself insulin? Like, or did it in your sleep? I'm not that I'm just want, trying to figure out how that could happen. Uh, I don't know. You know, to, to, to get into the loop up, get into the insulin part, yeah, press 15, get my face recognized by my cell phone, yeah. and actually put it in. Yeah, no, I it's agree. a long process. Yeah, I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> it would really be something. And there are a lot of steps in there that kind of slow you down. Um, no, that sucks. But no, I mean, but I it was you. the first and last time it happened. Never again. Okay. All right. Cool. I, I, you know, I don't think anything's perfect, but, um, I mean, for the no, most not at part, all. But yeah. I'm very, I'm very grateful for Loop for sure. Yeah. Very, very grateful. Accident I, happens all the time. Uh, every everybody commits accidents. Like I don't know, you crash your car or whatever it is. Nobody does it on purpose. But um, Loop has helped me so so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I uh, it's been a big deal for us too. I mean, we're. I think the biggest deal for for algorithms in general, like forget loop, like for all of them, it's just the idea that you're going to get to sleep more. It's such a big deal, you, you know. Like, like more. Nah, no, you won't. You, you don't think so? Nah, I still you. wake up at two, three in the morning. Different issues, or it's a high, or it's a low, or it's my cat, or it's I don't know. <laughs> Well, the cat, the loop can't help with the cat. I don't think. <laughs> so before when I was in MDI, um, I don't know how this happened, but I was having constant lows when I was using, uh, it was the, the, the long acting basal, the 12 hour long acting by that time, that was very long acting uh, with the Humalog. I don't remember the name of the insulin as soon as I can, I'm going to let you know. Um, it was, that insulin was supposed not to have peaks at all. Was it was it a basal Lent? 12 hours, beautiful. Is huh? it Lente? No, Lantus is 24 hours. No, it not, was before Lantus. Not Lantus, Lente. I'm just, Lente, yeah, exactly. There you go. That was one. that it? Okay. All it right. was a 12, yes, that is it. It was a 24, it was a 12 hour basal, beautiful, no peaks. You can just use it with Humalog and you were fine all day. Somehow, that insulin, yes, it had a peak. But the peak was like, three, four hours after you injected it. And during the day, you don't figure it out because you're just eating and snacking and whatever, and the life life is happening and you don't see it. But at night, I was having these uh, lows at two, three in the morning down to 30. Then then they just bounce back up to 180 out of the blue. Hmm. And I will wake up in um, 120, 130. I didn't have a CGM by that time. But I remember that I woke up one night, 30. I woke up the second night, 30. The third night, 30. I was like, okay, this is weird. Then uh, I would just sleep the whole night. And if I didn't wake up, it would go down to 30 and then up to 180 by its own. I didn't even have to treat it. And um, eventually the doctor, something something she did, she divided like, okay, you're going to put Two thirds in the morning and one third at night and whatever, and then it just stopped happening. But um, yeah, lows at night have been my thing. Yeah. What insulin do you use now? Hemolog. Yes, Hemolog now. Okay. 
But I'm very eager to try um, a fresa because I hate the highs and I, I have such a hard time bringing them down. Okay. So you're going to try the the inhalable insulin? Yes. Yeah. I want the 230 to be one in 100 in five minutes. <laughs> that uh, If somebody's be... able to do that, hey, I'm going to pay for it. You're going to give it a try? Yeah. I, I'm, people, Absolutely. People ask me um, to have someone on about it. And I always just think like, I, I, I don't know, it seems like such a leap for me about the inhaling it. And I know people say it's been around for a number of years now, but, you know, I don't know. It, it feels, I, I feel a responsibility not to say something out loud unless I can be pretty certain about it. I, I, it's a hard, hard for me. I don't me. know. I have one of, I have one of my diabetic peeps in New York. He's, um, he's been using a fresa for a while. Yeah. And he's saying once he's like in 5.1, I don't know, Kyle, he is my go-to. I want to be like him. Okay. He yeah. 5.1 just on a fresa. I'm so impressed on that. Does he use those like a basal insulin as well? I think so. I think yeah. he's in Treziva. Okay. You will have to call him and ask him. I'll he's, find out. he's incredible. All right. Is there anything <laughs> that we haven't spoken about that you wanted to talk about? Mm, uh, no, not really. I I just wanted to clarify that uh you know like having having sex and being diabetic is not a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> well i think that i think your point it's interesting because if i look back at your you know about your intake about what you want to come on the show and talk about like we didn't really talk about it very much but i think you just made the point very clearly like uh, you know i understand how an adult who's been diagnosed as an adult might feel super you know you know awkward about their technology but i don't feel that way and i mean even if you're not diagnosed as an adult or as a kid like, like people feel differently about it so i'm glad you gave a different perspective um yeah, yeah these are my gadgets they come with me and they will be with me the rest of my life so right. i'm fine with it actually if you want to know a, a funny story i had a one of my patients in new york he was part of the committee of uh jdrf jd yeah, mm-hmm. that's the name of it, right? Yeah. Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And he saw my G6 on my arm. And he said, do you know what? Um, like, we're working for, in, uh, that in the next five years, the Dexcom is half its size. And I was like, oh, really? Cool. Well, let me tell you something. I hope that in five years, I don't have to use nothing at all because we won't be diabetic anymore. Like I've got bigger goals here, buddy. <laughs> and 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 he just he he couldn't answer back. And I was like, hey, well, just for you to understand a little bit what we want, we're fine with the technology, but we need a cure for this. Yeah, keep moving in all the. I think they. I mean, I think that it's all important, right? Like making making your CGM work better, making it smaller, making insulin work better, like all that's important, you know, and, and yeah. you should also be looking at the other stuff too. I just interviewed somebody the other day who's in a trial for encapsulation, you know, where they put the cells mm-hmm. inside the pack and everything. And that was really interesting to hear about. I'll, I'll get that up uh, as soon as I can. But um, cool. yeah, I, I think I, I would like it if everybody was working on everything, you know what I mean? Like work on a cure, work on, uh, a stopgap, you know, the, if 
maybe it sells inside of a pouch. Make make the stuff work better. Make yeah. the insulin work better. Like do it. Work all. on a super fast, fast, fast insulin that will bring my two hundred to a hundred in two minutes, and not make me low an hour later. Please, yeah, get on exactly that. right. <laughs> Everybody, get going. Take care of it right now. <laughs> yes. Well, you were really terrific. I appreciate you doing this very much. Um, I never asked your cat's name. Cacho. Spell it? <laughs> I know it's complicated. But yeah, yeah. C-A-C-H-O. Cacho. C-A-C-H-O. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a Chilean slang. I was gonna, I'm looking it up right now. Hold on. It's a dice game or yes. no? No, 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 no. No. So <laughs> it's a dice game. Yes, it's a it's a dice game, but his name is not because of that. I gotcha. Um, so a cacho in Chile is like um, something that you have, uh, but it has like a sentimental value, so you don't want to throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. So okay. yeah, I don't know something that you have, but but you don't know what to do with it, and that becomes a cacho. Interesting. And that happens because my, my cat is a rescue. My brother rescued him uh, from like from the garbage, I'm going to say, uh, when he was porting out with his friends. And he just brought him home. And here we are. And it has different meanings in different, I'm looking online here, in different languages too a little bit. Yeah, you can have like the, the, the horns. Of the bull, they're called cachos too. Mm-hmm. You have the game. You have like the, the tip of of a mountain. It could be a cacho. It, it means a lot of things. That's cool. That's very nice. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this. Did you have a good time? Yes, I did. Good. You thank were- you for for the conversation. It was a very cool conversation. No, I had a great time. I um right before we started um uh recording, you said you like sometimes you we'll have trouble finding words like in English. Did, did you feel okay while you were talking? Uh, yes, I felt really cool. Sometimes I, um, the verbs that I use are not in the, in the correct, um, time, <laughs> but I, I figured out right away and I tried to correct it myself. If it makes you feel any better, I'm not a thousand percent sure what a verb is. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel fine. I, I think people understand the idea of what I'm talking about. No, I thought you were terrific. I really did. That's why I was like, I brought oh, up at the end. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, like, thank I, you so much. I was, I was, con- I was a little confused that you were even worried because I thought it went, I thought it went really well. All right. Well, listen. Oh, because I see it every day. Yeah. Well, if I ever have a physical therapy question, I'm going to ask you. Please. Yeah. You're absolutely right. invited to us wherever you want. Cool. First, I'd like to thank Fernanda for coming on the show and telling her story. Thank you very much. I also want to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. Don't forget to also, in addition, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Take you less than 10 minutes to take that survey. And just imagine when you're done, you see two things in your head. One people living with type 1 diabetes who have been helped by your generosity. And two, me smiling. Those are the two things you should see at the end. They don't actually show you those things when you finish the survey, but 
If they did, I would have this smile on my face. You can't see it, but I'm smiling. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. If you're looking for something else to do today, you should check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, now with over 22,000 members. Just like you. Ooh, you might meet a friend or learn something or, I don't know, maybe just lurk through people's conversations and never say anything. Maybe you're creepy like that. I don't judge you.